school refusal, holy cow, is on the rise. And in this post-pandemic world, it's just happening a lot because there's a lot the kids have had to deal with. And schools and parents need help. And this is something I deal with every day. Hi, I'm Dr. Roseanne, and I'm a mental health trailblazer. And join me as we have real conversations about real solutions to kids' problems. And today, we're talking about school refusal because, as I talked about, it's dramatically on the rise. And a lot of times, parents think if they just get their kid back to school, their anxiety is going to go away, their OCD, their depression. It's just not so easy. So let's dive in. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Roseanne. If you are new to what we do, I am somebody who is committed to changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. And I am dedicated to helping families who are in crisis because so many families across the globe are and people reach out to me every day. And I wanted to give people concrete solutions. And that's what we're all about is giving families real solutions, science fact solutions, and natural solutions that are ways to cultivate family mental health, Um, not just kids, not just teens and young adults, but the whole family. So let's jump in. We're going to talk about school anxiety and refusal strategies. This, This is something that I have been supporting families with for 30 years. But certainly during the pandemic, it is at a level that is actually quite shocking. And I think parents and schools are ill-equipped. And every day, including yesterday, I have school meetings and we have to talk about how to get kids back into school. So I think it's important to talk about what it is first, so we can give people better understanding. So it's an avoidance or a resistant that is a persistent difficulty. And in some cases, kids are able to go to school part of the day, or they miss it all together. I think the thing that I think is shocking for people is that it affects 2% to 5% of all school age kids. That's a lot of kids. And when we think about that being such a common issue, even at 2%, how are we supporting families and getting kids out the door? So let's talk about what it looks like, what are strategies, and what sort of happens with school refusal. So my experience with school refusal is that it sort of just creeps up (laughs) and it starts with anxiety. It starts with worry. Sometimes We know that kids are having a hard time. They might have a previous clinical issue that we're well aware of, ADD, anxiety, OCD, PANS, PANDAS, those are some of my, and depression, those are some of my five most common issues that I see and work with and support people all over the globe. But they are also conditions, when we think about mental health conditions, we think that they're a constant. It's not the way it works. There's an up and down. And so at one point, kids can be doing really well in school, and then they're not. <laughs> and when crises happen, we often can't connect the dots until we look back. You, you know, you hear me, you'll hear me say that pretty much every time I talk because I want parents to let go of their guilt and their worries because there is so much shame around parenting and often we are doing the best that we can and kids can be very successful in school 
meaning their grades can be at a very high level. It's not uncommon for me to have a straight A student, a kid who's participating in athletics or school events, and then all of a sudden fall apart and school refusal come to the table. A lot of times anxiety is a part of it, but depression and other clinical conditions that I talked about, including medically related conditions like PANS and PANDAS or a host of other illnesses and whatnot can really impede a kid's ability to get to school. You know, school refusal, most of the time, isn't about not wanting to go to school, but it can be. It can be about bullying. It could be about inappropriate education. It could be about a lot of things. I would love to hear some of the reasons why I hear it every day, but I also know that it is so different for everybody. But a lot of kids, it's because there's an underlying mental health issue that we're not really fully aware of until it fully hits a crisis level. And then it's like, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I do? Right? And that's what I want to talk about. So when talk about strategies for parents, we're going to talk about seven strategies for school refusal. And I have lots of details. You can go to drrosanne.com forward slash my blogs. And there is a blog series about this. So please, uh, we'll post it in our private group if you want to join our private group. But let's really get to the bottom. I want to give you all about useful information. I love to talk about what clinical conditions look like. And there are definitely signs. And we're going to talk about some of the signs in our private group if you want to join it. But number one, let's look for root causes. So as I said, most of the time, school refusal isn't about because the kid doesn't want to go to school. It's that they don't want to go to school because they're not feeling right in the inside. Maybe they're feeling dysregulated. Maybe they're upset about something socially. And the school is an overwhelming mountain. And so what do we often do? All our efforts in getting a kid back to school, we're like, they've got to go back to school. They've got to go back to school. If they just get back to school, the issue will go away. And I hear that every day. I'm here to tell you that just getting them back to school doesn't often solve the problem. And I remember at the end of last school year, I talked to a famous therapist at one of the top university hospitals. And it was a PANS child. And, you know, I said, this child should not go back to school. They need to be out for the remainder of the year. There was a lot of components in it. And, you know, when I talk about cases, please know I always hide the details. But what happened was she said, oh, I promise you, if we don't get this kid to school right now, they'll never get back to school. Well, that wasn't the truth. And in fact, they went back to school and but then didn't address an issue and put put the child in with bullies. and. There we go. We unraveled it. But we have to really start to think about what the issues were. And in this case, this is somebody who needed proper treatment for infectious disease and their clinical issue that was really holding them back. It was their mental health that was affecting their learning. And the child pulled back in an effort to really kind of save themselves and preserve it. And the parent got it. The parent was like, this kid can't go to school. I've got to prioritize the physical and mental health before I can put my kid back to school. And we went in there, you know, don't mess with Dr. Rowe. I got my boxing gloves on and I got a lot of research. So we were able to create this plan and get this kid back to school and eventually get them to do the right thing, even though they didn't use common sense and put them in with the bullies, which was a whole other issue. Sometimes there's layers. So let's look for the root causes. If there's a mental health problem, remember, a magic wand is not going to wish it away, people. 
we wouldn't ignore cancer. We shouldn't ignore anxiety. We shouldn't ignore OCD. We shouldn't ignore depression. This is our mental health is the foundation of our physical health. Should we say that again? Our mental health is the foundation of our physical health. Number two, what's the number two strategy? We've got to calm the brain, people. We got to calm it down. If our nervous system is stuck in a stress activated, sympathetic dominant state, if the brain is on fire, what is it going to do? It's only possible of three responses that is fight, flight, or freeze. That is it. And school refusal can be a fight response, but it's often a freeze response. It's like, hey, I'm totally overwhelmed. I can't do anything. This is what I need to do. So we have to calm it down. I have lots of ways that I calm it down. Everything from simplest way, breath work, do a four, seven, eight breath. You have to actually do these things and you have to put some effort. We can do some EFT tapping. I did some EFT tapping with one of the girls that I'm working with this week. She didn't love it, but we did it and it helped. So um, we got to find something that is accessible, that we can do, that everybody in the family should be doing. Because when you have a kid who's school refusing, holy moly, the whole family's on fire. It's a crisis. Talk to your kid. This is not the Spanish Inquisition, people. And a lot of times your kid may not have the verbiage to tell you, you know, what's going on. So we're going to talk in a way that's not angry. Uh, yes, you're irritated. I promise you they're irritated. You know, you can say like, help me to understand. Do you have any ideas or I wouldn't even say that they have any idea. What's one way that could be of help? That's often what I say to kids. Just give me one way, break it down really simple. When you're overwhelmed, don't ask a lot of questions, people, but we need answers and we have to have the root cause and this may not be an overnight, people. Your timeline of uh, getting your kid back to school may not be the same timeline as our school people or what your expectation is. Your child, we have to meet them where they're at. We have to give them help. And we need the right information, the right data to come up with a plan. We can't just say this is the plan and not have input from the kid. It never works. And this is how I get people back to school, kids. That same snotty psychologist from the hospital begins with a Y. Yeah, we got that kid back. And that was because I included the kid in the plan and I didn't let, I didn't dictate it. Yeah, I put some bumpers and asked the right questions. But we've got to get our priorities straight, okay? So this is where you have this imbalance, right? I, this week, I had a situation where the parent was like, I want the kid back on Friday, you know, and it was like, wait a second, are we at a safe level? Are we at a level where the kid is in agreement? Did we work out a plan? No. So we had to do all those things and, you know, still get in the email. Love this family, by the way, and they're great, but it was like their overriding desire to get the kid back in school was not logical. Hey there, Dr. Roseanne here, and I'm excited to tell you about my school accommodations guide, which I believe can be a game changer for parents and caregivers of children with special needs or mental health and behavioral challenges. As a parent myself, I understand how challenging it can be to navigate the complex world of IEP and 504 accommodations. That is exactly why I created this guide to 
provide you with the information you need to advocate for your child's rights and to ensure they're getting the right support that they need to be able to succeed academically, behaviorally, socially, emotionally at school. I've done the work for you and you have accommodations for over 30 common issues that affect learning. This 80-page guide, you're just going to have a directory that you need to flip through and find exactly the right modifications and accommodations that your child needs. I'm passionate about helping children and their families, and I truly believe this guide can make a difference in the lives of those who use it. That's why I'm offering it completely free. So if you want to make sure your child is getting the best possible education and support, head over to www.drrosanne.com forward slash 504 to download the ultimate school accommodations guide today. I can't wait to hear how this helps you and your child. The school is not going to fix the problem, people. You are going to fix the problem and we have to secure your child's mental health. There is not a case of a kid with school refusing that doesn't have a mental health component. And if you think your kid is willingly doing that, you need to seek out support. So let's get our priorities straight. And, you know, anybody who comes to me knows that this is how we do it. We've got to really make sure that we are supporting people in the right way. And you may need help getting your priorities straight. And that's okay, people. That's what you need to get help for. So ask for help from the school. Don't hide information from the school. Share with them. Try to be as transparent as possible. Obviously, when you have a disagreement, because hello, there are disagreements with school. You know, I am a former school psychologist. I've worked in schools. So I've been on both sides of the table. I've been there as a private consultant. I've been there as a pri- as a working in a school. So I understand both sides and I really come to it. Sometimes we have camps that are on opposite sides. You want to get your ducks in a row. You want to get help. My seventh strategy is get help from an outside mental health professional. You want to make sure you have what you need to go back to the school and say, here's what's going on. You want to go back to your school. You really want to have an open conversation and real world this week. It's always great when this happens, right? Real world this week, it was like, Hey, this is what's going on with this kid. I have an idea of what we would like to see happen at the school that I worked out one-on-one with the kid. And I'd like to share that with you because of course I, when Dr. Rose involved, I always take charge, but I need your input. And I don't know what's realistic. It was the most lovely meeting. It was great. And it was like, I know what has to happen in a school. You need a plan that's realistic. You need help from the school people. Obviously you need trust. And I hope that everybody gets that. And I know that's not always the case when you are working with schools. And I'm really, really sorry about that because that's really not okay. But when you get your documentation, you come up with a plan, you ask for specific help, make sure you ask schools, what can you do, right? What can you do to help support my child? What are those things that can help me deal with my kid's school refusal? Is there, when you got to the root cause, is there a problem with learning? Maybe your kid is refusing school because they feel like garbage about learning. Maybe there is a bully. Maybe they're overloaded. I recently had somebody who was school refusing. I mean, I have a lot of people. It's the time of year. 
Um, and I hope that those of you that are watching that you don't feel so isolated and that that you realize this is a very increasing common problem, particularly post uh, COVID quarantine. We're not post pandemic, we're post quarantine, that kids really started to really develop a lot more mental health problems and some of them the first time. But you need to have a clear idea of what has to happen. You have to ask for help. And even when you don't know how to ask for help and what, you, what exactly to ask for, say, we need a plan. We need a plan. Can you help me make a plan? But on your side, the school is not the only answer. This is a partnership. And your job is to provide for the safety and care of your child. And that includes mental health as well. And so always look for that underlying problem. Figure out what it is. If you can't lovingly have those conversations without judgment with your kid, get support from a mental health professional. And if you're looking for help from a mental health professional, ask somebody you trust, ask for guidance, but we need better support on both ends, the school end and parents need strategies. And hopefully this conversation opened the door. If you're watching or listening to this, please message and let us know if there's questions that we can answer. I think this is an ongoing conversation. And like I said, there are great blogs on my website, drrosian.com forward slash my blog that has even more strategies for parents and school professionals. But if your kid is school refusing, have patience, get them support, make sure you make a plan that also includes a tiered gradual back to school so that your kid feels successful. And hopefully it's a win-win all around. And this is something that is, you know, a bump and it's an opportunity when kids do things that really shine a light on their mental health, it's an opportunity to better your mental health. It may be hard, but this is how you learn these skills. And instead of feeling broken down and scared, which is normal, you can say, okay, well, we've got an issue. And now my kid's going to learn those strategies and skills that are going to give them good mental health. So you know, I'm all about solutions for mental health. Make sure you join our parenting group, Natural Parenting Solutions. It's in the info here. And wherever you're at is where you need to be. And nobody ever regrets getting help. They only regret when they don't. So sending you a lot of love and talk to you soon. Parenting is so hard and there are so many ups and downs. And it's really, really scary when your kid is so shut down that they can't get out the door to get to school. Just know that no matter what is going on with your kid and family, it's going to be okay. And then in this episode, you got some real solutions. 